this first Sunday of Advent, we are so blessed to have this family with us. Of course, you know our very own Mary Dean. You may not know her daughter, Catherine, son-in-law, Brian, and granddaughter, Elle. They'll be here with us for the service, and they'll be leading us in the litany that's printed in your order of worship. We're so glad you're with us. As we begin this day, we await the advent of Christ. We gather as the people of God. We stand today in breathless anticipation of a joyful season that has been celebrated for hundreds of years, yet that astounds us anew each year. Our hope anew from the ancient vision. As we light the first advent candle, let it stand for hope based not on wishful thinking, but on deep conviction. We believe, we have seen, we have received the promise and the great gift, and therefore, in the midst of darkness and imperfection, we hope. We expectantly, joyfully, and with deep Welcome to the worship of God at Northside Drive Baptist Church on this special day, the first Sunday of the season of Advent. Welcome especially to those of you who are guests among us and who traveled uh, distances to be here, and uh, we're glad you're here. There is on the order of service on the edge of the sheet a welcome card, and if you'll take a moment to complete that, drop it in the plate, it'll help me connect name and face for you. Uh, also, if there's a prayer request you have, feel free to place that in the card and drop it in the plate as well. On this special day, it was good to have uh, all the deans here. The deans here. I know it's a different kind of holy season for you all without Kenna, and we miss him terribly. But I'm glad that you helped begin us in this season. Uh, we have a guest today, uh, Joshua Messick who is a Henry Dossimer player. You heard him play as we began the service, and he will play again uh, uh, within the service. As we tune our hearts to sing God's praise, we listen to the texts that speak of God, uh, from the Old Testament, from the Apostle Paul, and then from a gospel lesson, where it speaks of uh, stay awake, stay alert, which is always the first uh, lesson in the season of Advent. As we open our hearts and ears, let us worship God. Well.
awaiting a day of peace when the swords and spears of war will become the plows and pruning hooks of God's abundant harvest. A reading from the book of Isaiah. The word that Isaiah, son of Amos, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. In days to come, the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established as the highest of the mountains and shall be raised above the hills. All the nations shall stream to it. Many peoples shall come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of God, to the house of the Lord of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways and that we may walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth instruction and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He shall judge between the nations and shall arbitrate for many peoples. They shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. O house of Jacob, come and let us walk in the light of the Lord. Here ends the first lesson. And will you join me in prayer? <coughs> Loving Father and Lord of us all, how do we pray to you today on this first Sunday of Advent? Spears have not been turned into plowshares, and nations continue to wage war against each other. Storms of snow and wind cross our nation, and drug cartels kill innocent, peaceful Mormons farther south. And then earthquakes come killing, many in Albania and Bosnia this week. But in the midst of these tragedies, Hong Kong is using peaceful protest and the vote to bring movement toward democracy as the center of political gravity may shift toward that area. And Jimmy Carter, who blesses our place of worship, is actively still writing articles, suggesting that empowering women can help solve the climate crisis. Come, Lord Jesus, and bring us hope. Yes, there is the advent of courageous acts that will overcome dissension, disinformation, and propaganda that allow corrupt leaders to win and flourish. Give us courage to welcome our own advent into the willingness to live fully in the present moment and consider its connection <clears throat> to the eternal. As we prepare for the incarnation of you, Lord, in your Son, Jesus, may we bring into being our own incarnation of the ability to be righteous and loving with all human beings. Come, Lord Jesus, and bring us courage. Help us to consider that the end time is any time, and then prepare to do justice, love mercy, and walk humbly. These acts would truly be living into Advent. These acts would bring together rural and urban, rich and poor, old and young, black and white, peaceful and violent. Perhaps that is how we can stay awake and live lives of preparation for your glory. Justice, mercy, and humility speak of the advent of eternal love. Come, Lord Jesus, and bring us love. 
We ask your protection and grace <clears throat> for those that are suffering, both in our congregation and across the world. Give them peace and the comfort of your blessing. We thank you for the newborn babies who show us how precious and fragile life is. And we pray for the elderly saints among us whose faithfulness and endurance can lead our way to Advent. Come, Lord Jesus, and hear our prayers. In Christ's name, amen. Be spiritually awake and alert. A reading from the letter of Paul to the Romans, Romans 13, 11 to 14. Besides this, you know what time it is, how it is now the moment for you to wake from sleep. For salvation is nearer to us now than when we became believers. The night is far gone, the day is near. Let us then lay aside the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us live honorably as in the day, not in reveling and drunkenness, not in debauchery and licentiousness, not in quarreling and jealousy. Instead, put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. Here ends the second lesson. children to come forward at this time. We're going to sit right here on the first step. If you have your offering, would you set it in the plate that Pastor Daniel has, please? Thank you. And y'all sit right here in front of me on the floor, okay? Very good. Everybody have a seat. Put your offerings in. Wow, so many offerings. Very good. All right. Everybody sitting? Come on, Leah. Pastor Daniel has a plate. All right. Well, it's funny that you asked what this is. What does it look like? It's a bird nest. Now, yes, this one is glittery because glitter is fun for the holidays. Now, look over there on that stand. What is that? What's on that big gold stand? The candles. And then what's around it? The green stuff. The wreath, so that's our, that's our, the greenery that we brought in today, it's Advent, that's our Advent wreath. So, in my hand here, I hold a little nest. Did you put your tree up this weekend? Yeah! You did! Did you know that some people think that it's good luck to have a bird's nest in your tree? How many people have a real tree at the house? Did you go and get a real one? Sometimes when you some sometimes when you cut down a tree, you can find a bird's nest in it. Now some people say that's like good luck, and some people say that it's like a sign of happiness and prosperity. Um, if you want me to take that, okay. And some people say that it's like happiness and prosperity, but I brought it today because the candle on our advent wreath that we lit was our candle of. Did you hear what it was? Hope! Very good, Fairy Francis. It was a candle of hope. Now, in this nest, I brought it because 
there's a little, there's a picture that I have in my office, and it has a quote from one of my favorite authors, Emily Dickinson, and it says, hope is the thing with feathers that perches in the soul. And so I brought this little nest today, because who likes to stay in the nest? Birds. And so we lit our candle of hope today, and I want us to think this is our beginning of the year. Today is the first Sunday of the whole church year of Advent, and we lit our candle of hope. So this year, I want us to think that we all have a little nest, maybe in our soul, maybe in our heart, maybe in our head, maybe in our house, and I want us to fill it with our hopes for the year. Hopes for our family and friends, hopes for the world, hopes for what Jesus can do in all of our lives, and maybe even in our world. So this year, I want us to think about filling our nest with hope. Everybody want to touch it? It's not a real nest. It's a decorative one. It's nice and clean, just glittery. Okay? I didn't. My mommy gave it to me because she, she likes to have nests in a tree. So let's fill our nest with hope this year. Okay? Let's have a prayer. Dear God, thank you for all the hope that you give to us. Help us to keep hope in our heart for your love to come and cover the earth. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's go with Miss Mary Lou.
live extraordinary lives of prayer and anticipation. Reading from the Gospel according to Matthew. But about that day and hour, no one knows, neither the angels of heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. For as the days of Noah were, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing until the flood came and swept them all away. So too will be the coming of the Son of Man. Then two will be in the field, and one will be taken, and the other will be left. Two women will be grinding meal together. One will be taken, and one will be left. Keep awake, therefore, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. But understand this, if the owner of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and he would not have let his house be broken into. Therefore, you must also be ready for the Son of Man, who is coming at an unexpected hour. The Gospel of the Lord. I like to think of the season of Advent, the Christian season of Advent, like a time machine. Because it has the power to send us back in time and even us old folks can become children again in the season of Advent. We don't have to think too far about remembering what it's like to stand on tiptoe with fingers on a windowsill with a nose pressed against a cold pane, watching, waiting, hoping for God to come. Advent is like a time machine. It's also like an alarm clock that rings so loud that nearly falls off the bedstand, clanging around between the prophet's prose and poetry and the apostle Paul's uh, whatever that is he does, and also the gospel lessons with Jesus and his preaching and his parables. And they all say today, wake up. Now, it's tough to wake up, isn't it? Uh, and it's tough to stay awake, isn't it? And you know who you are. And the choir knows who you are. And you know who the choir members are. It's tough to stay awake. More than a few of us have trouble with both. My grandfather always took a nap in church. And he had a way of spinning it to the preacher. And he said, it's my compliment to you. He said, this is Wedge. He said, uh, it means I agree with you. 
I trust you and I believe everything's going to go well. I'm for you, so I'm going to take a nap. <laughs> Maybe his descendants are among us. Waking and staying awake is, of course, a metaphor for spiritually being attentive to life. All religious traditions speak of this. The word Buddha means the awakened one. Stories of Jacob sleeping on a rock, waking up in the morning going, surely God was in this place and I did not even know it. Jesus and the disciples go to the Garden of Gethsemane. He asks one thing of them, stay away. What's the one thing they can't do? Stay away. It's a way of expressing being spiritually attentive to life. It struck me this week in reading the gospel lesson that you heard Mary read, that it says, stay awake near the end of the parable, and then keep staying awake. There's an imperative there, Just keep awake, keep staying awake. Almost like two admonitions, like two orders. And I kept thinking during the week, why the two orders? If any of you remember A Few Good Men, while rash young uh, Lieutenant Caffey is interrogating staunch Colonel Jessup on the, state, on the, on the uh, testifying stand, the ending question was, Colonel, why two orders? Why order twice? Because they always follow your orders, don't they? Why the two orders? Now, that was said with something sinister in mind because something sinister was afoot. But the gospel writer says it twice, or Jesus says it twice, because something salvific is afoot. Stay awake, keep staying awake. So the question I wrestled with, why the two orders? Why the two admonitions to stay awake? And here are two reasons. Number one, staying awake is difficult because life wears us down. By the end of the first century, as the Gospels started to be compiled by the communities, the churches, the writers, that already by that time, you can see the fatigue setting in with the Gospel evangelists. There's always this weary waiting in the parables of Jesus. There's also, don't lose heart. There's also, grow not weary and well-doing. You can feel that the church is waiting for Jesus to come finish things up, and yet there are wars and rumors of wars, and things aren't getting any better. Even Jesus himself in John 6 says this tough word, preaches on this subject that the listeners don't want to hear about. And, you know, there are the disciples, the 12, and then the disciple-ish uh, disciples in this uh, wider Group, and it's the disciple-ish that when he preaches on that, they go, well, we're not going to stand for that. We're going to leave. And they do. And the text says, and it's a very touching thing, you can feel it hit Jesus in the chest. Smack. And Jesus turns to the disciples and said, well, are you two going to go away? Will you two leave? There is a weariness to life. You know what it's like to grow weary in well-doing. I was thinking also of that uh, movie Field of Dreams that Michael and, uh, and uh, Susan 
that was close. <laughs> went to on their honeymoon. And you'll remember the movie with uh, Kevin Costner playing the, the part of Ray. And as this magic happens in a former cornfield, that as the players are going back to wherever it is that he disappeared to, Ray turns and looks and the catcher is pulling off his mask. And Ray says, oh no, it's my father. It's my father as a young man, he says. I had only gotten to know him years later when he was worn down by life. Wow. Well, Advent is for those who have been worn down. Maybe like you and you and you and me. With our over-calendar lives, the only time we might stop is in church and observe the Sabbath. It happens to clergy, too. A person told me last week, well, this time of year, I guess for you, it's sort of the Super Bowl season. Well, maybe so. But it's also the same for some of you, the worker bees who have taken a beautiful place and made it even more beauty, beautiful, with service and song, with Christmas and Christmas and candles, and even the finance committee have worked at getting a budget together. And so we are all tired in how much we have to do. Why the two orders? Why the imperative? Because, let's just face it, it's not easy to stay awake and life gets us worn down. But there's a second reason why I think it's said twice in the text. And that is because it needs to be said loud enough and often enough for the whole church to hear, the whole church to hear, stay awake. For you see, it takes a village to stay awake. It takes a community because we all doze off from time to time and someone has to stay vigilant. And so that's why it's for the whole church to hear. So often we hear scripture read to us individualistically but I like what Steve Sheely says, it's often, often to y'all and to all y'all. That's an exact translation of the Apostle Paul, I think. To y'all and all y'all. So it's all y'all stay awake. All of y'all keep on staying awake. It is something that is required of us as a community because it's too much to require of us one at a time. We need different voices in the church. We need some that are caregivers. Thank God for our deacons that provide comfort, caregiving. But we also need challengers and prophets who bring up topics that we don't want to necessarily hear. We need both voices because as the tough topics come, there are also voices that say, oh, just let sleeping dogs lie. Why should we bring up things like human rights and human migration in the form of immigration and trouble at borders. That we should talk about the, uh, the world that lives too much today encouraging prejudice. We should talk about systemic racism, the ethics of leaders and leadership, and guns everywhere. Not all voices can speak to that. That's why we have caregivers that are deacons and challengers who are prophets. It takes a community. 
Elaine Pagel, scholar and author, says that she thinks she knows why we ended up with these four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Because there are a whole bunch of Gospels, as you know, the Gospel according to Mary Magdalene, the Gospel according to Peter, the Gospel according to Judas, Thomas, all of these. She says these other apocryphal Gospels, or Gnostic Gospels, some call, these Gospels are often some sayings of Jesus, maybe a story, but what they lack is the power to build community and to grow a spiritual community. I like that, that the Gospels we ended up with speak to our questions like, how do we live ethically in an unethical world? How did Jesus confront the challenges of his day? How do we deal with the delight of family and the dilemmas of family that some of you experienced around the table just three days ago? Maybe you were the Thanksgiving turkey. How do we deal with strangers? In fear? Or are we to love the stranger and the power of love to transform? Per the parables and the preaching of Jesus, community is at stake and it takes a village, a community, to stay away. I remember three days after 9-11 in 2001 when all the clergy of the city were getting together saying, we don't know what to do, we don't know what to say, except that we need to get together and say that. And on that end of that week, we gathered at Central Presbyterian Church. I sat with a Muslim imam to one side and a Hindu swami on the other side. And in the middle, I was thinking, you know, this white boy from North Louisiana is sure a long way from yeah, but I also that day had an awakening that the silo of God that I thought I was in charge of to be defensive about is on a farmland far wider than my silo. And there are other crops grown, grown and other farmers on the land. And because of that, and because of being with my interfaith community, I found myself awakening. It takes a community to stay awake. I've heard Joan McIntyre tell the story several times. She would always sit right back there. And when she would sit there, she said, I would sit with George Smith on one side and John McIntyre on the other. She said, my elbows were sore by the end of the service. Wake up, wake up. She said it was my lot in life. And it is your lot in life, too. As we help one another stay awake both to the ethical angst of this world and the caregiving love. In fact, when we come toward this table, we will celebrate not only community, but we will celebrate a community. For someone will look you in the eye and say, bread of heaven. And someone will hold a church chalice and say, cup of salvation. And at least once you'll glance around in the balcony and you'll say, gathering our voices with all the company of heaven. It's a reminder that we grow weary, as did they. We need one another's help, as do they. Let us wake up. Amen.
It is our tradition that whenever a word is spoken, an invitation to dedication is also given. And whatever word you have been hearing this, this service about what your job is in caregiving and challenging, as we sing this, this hymn, it is time for our response. It is number 138, Savior of the Nations, come. Let's stand together and sing. and celebrations and concerns, and I want to tell you a few of those this morning. Uh, beginning with this afternoon in the sanctuary, the Festival Singers of Atlanta will be here and hear Keith Walker and others sing at 3 p.m. here in the sanctuary. That is detailed in the Pinnacle that's available in the Narthex, and the Pinnacle also has all the information about our special events and services during the season of Advent, so if you haven't already, be sure to pick that up. Courtesy of the estate of Wade Davis and the hard work of Sid Janney, an amazing fresh display, nativity scene display, and other Christmas-related items are in the balcony directly where I'm pointing, above the narthex. If you have time today, go take the elevator up. That's where the tour begins. 
It'll be number five on the elevator, and it'll be on display during the whole season of Advent, so make some plans to see that. We thank Sid Janney for hard work in getting that together. December 15th will be uh, a special service of joy, that is the Advent celebration of joy, Gaudete Sunday. We'll do part one of Messiah's, uh, of Handel's Messiah. And we've done a few things to help you get ready for that, including a podcast. We released part one last week and part two will come out this week. Go to the website and click on publications and then podcast, or just ask me if you forget that. And I'll tell you. We also have a special worshiper's guide. You'll see that on the table of the narthex as you leave, right? Be sure to pick that up, a worshiper's guide to Handel's Messiah. These are little articles written by members of Northside Drive, and they will help you prepare for the Gaudete Sunday performance. Also, on that same day, the 15th, we're going to have a special children's event. It'll be a children's PJ party. They can wear their pajamas and watch a movie, and I think the parents are going to go get lunch. Make plans to come to that. We have many to pray for. Uh, some of those uh, families are mentioned on the back of the order of service. Uh, prayers of sympathy for the family of Joey Gwynn. Joey and Jack are here today for the death of her brother, Alan, Joey. And for Rowena Client, whose sister-in-law, Anne Quiet died. We pray for these families. We pray for the recovery of Ava Grace Cook, who's recovering from surgery. And we pray for many others that are in the life of this congregation. Ah, and Radar, Bjorn, Radar, sir, if you can hear my voice, it was your 102nd birthday recently. Happy birthday to you, sir. We celebrate with Radar Bjorn. so bad at reading lips, but I finally got it. <laughs> Our choir will help us to continue with the worship on that theme of staying awake. Listen for that theme. Thank you.
to celebrate communion today. Our acolytes will be helping me serve. It is printed in your order of service as the insert will be reading responsibly. The choir will be coming first to the front and after the choir comes, then you'll come up the center aisle and go up the side aisles. Today, it will be by standing in tension. You'll dip the bread in the cup and then eat. Also, uh, we have uh, offering uh, gluten-free wafers for those of you who uh, prefer and need that. It will be served on the pulpit side, so come to that. So now, let us read responsibly the source and according. The peace of Christ be with you. And also you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and a good and joyful thing, always and everywhere, to give thanks to you, mighty God, creator of heaven and earth. Therefore, we praise you, joining our voices with all the company of heaven who forever proclaim the glory of your name, singing. giving thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner also he took the cup and having given thanks, he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Let us pray. We celebrate the memorial of Christ's redeeming gift, O God through this meal that speaks of both sacrifice and thanksgiving, recalling Christ's suffering and death and resurrection, we celebrate these holy mysteries. Sanctify us and your entire church that we may remain faithful in love and hope as we follow Jesus Christ our Lord. And hear us, O God, as we join together in praying the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. 
For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. The gifts of God for the people of God. All of God's people are welcome at this table. So take these gifts in remembrance that Christ died and was raised, and therefore come to the table in thanksgiving and hope. Amen.
Please stand for prayer. All loving God for the gift of music that says what words cannot say. We give you thanks. And we give thanks for having refreshed us at your table as we celebrated the presence of Christ. So deepen our faith, increase our love for one another, and send us forth into the world in strength and in peace, rejoicing in the power of the Holy Spirit throughout this Advent season, and in the name of Jesus the Christ, amen.
give thanks to Joshua for bringing the gift of heart and hand and gift of music. We celebrate that Muriel Hardy is able to attend today. These haven't been easy days for her, but we're awfully glad she's here. And as Daniel pointed out, Dr. Radar Bjornard on Friday turned 102 years old. Now I know that you haven't received warning for this and the, uh, uh, the moderator probably has a bylaw issue, but those in favor of passing a resolution that we always sing happy birthday to 102 year olds on their birthday say aye. Huh? All right, let's sing together. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. So, for all these abundant blessings, we take hope and go remember this. May the strength of Christ uplift you, the comfort of the Holy Spirit surround you, and the grace and mercy of God give you hope and give you courage this day and throughout Lent. No, throughout Advent. <laughs> and as I was saying every day, as you prepare to go in peace, amen. <laughs>